Welcome to the Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by investing in real estate so you never, ever have to work a job again. And today, we're going to talk all about short-term rental properties and making probably five times what you would normally make with a long-term property and making so much more money so you can quit your job even faster and show you how to do it as well. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. What's up? I am super blessed, as always, to have you here listening to the show. I mean, week after week, we really just love investing in real estate and what it affords us to do in our life. Now, when I first started Master Passive Income, we talked only about long-term buy-and-hold rental properties, just long-term rentals, long-term tenants. But now, what is fantastic is now we're able to branch out instead of just long-term we're also looking at short term. We're looking, you know, that's Airbnb, VRBO, you know, hotel type of stays. You also have the midterm where you have traveling nurses or you have traveling CEOs coming and living in your property. You can even have multifamily where you have multiple units, let's say 100, a 200 unit apartment complex or more. And these can be all buy and hold. So with Master Passive Income, what we're now starting to do is transition into buy and hold investing. We're not flipping properties. We're not wholesaling properties. I mean, those are fine, great ways to make money or get money in your pocket. So then you can then buy properties to invest in as buy and hold. But at Master Passive Income, we're always about buy and hold property. Let me give you an example. If you were to invest in a syndication, you know, a syndication is where you invest a syndicator. One person goes out and finds, let's say, 10 investors that all have $50,000 or more. We pull all of our money together to buy one multifamily property. The goal is to then exit in three to five years with another syndicator coming back on top of that three to five years later, get their own investors to then buy the property for more than you bought it for. So hopefully you're going to get appreciation. You'll get a little bit of passive income, you know, on a quarterly basis, you'll get some money that will actually be in passive income from the rents received from the properties. But at the same time, it's incumbent on the next syndicator coming on top and buying it for more than you bought it for. Because the goal, literally the goal, is always to exit in three to five years. Well, and what that means is with interest rates going up, that means prices have to come down because all that money that they have, let's say that same 10 people, $50,000, well, that can only go so far, which is much less because interest rates have risen. Same thing with home, regular homes, residential homes. When interest rates go up, prices come down because people don't have automatically more money in their pocket to spend when interest rates go up. So prices must come down. Now, that syndication model is not what we do as real estate investors. We do not do the syndication model. In fact, we do not want to sell these properties. 
why would you sell it when they make you money? That's what I love about Master Passive Income and what we do. We are buy and hold investors. It could be long-term properties, where long-term tenants, mid-term tenants, short-term. It could be multifamily. It could be storage units. We are buy and hold investors. We do not want to sell these. And the reason why we don't sell them, a number of different reasons. Number one, we actually make passive income. So why would you sell a company that you are making money on when you don't have to sell it? Same thing, why would you sell a property that is making you money without you working so that you can make that money in passive income? And so with that is passive income coming in. And on top of that, if you sell your property, you most likely want to get access to that equity. That equity being, you know, you have, you owe, let's say $100,000, but it's worth $250,000. Well, you have $150,000 in equity left over in that property. Now, if you sold it, you'll get that money. You might have capital gains taxes if you live in or not, you know, the, all those IRS laws, but you're going to get that equity. You're going to get what is available in that property after the sale. Now, what happens though, is you lose that property. You cannot create passive income for anymore because that property is gone. You can't give it to your kids. But instead, what if you accessed that money, that equity in that property by refinancing that property, pulling that cash out, and then buying the next property? Same thing with multifamily. If we then, instead of doing a syndication where they, the goal is literally to try to exit in three to five years, well, what happens if interest rates go up? Nobody buys your property, then you're kind of stuck. Instead, how about do something like this? We're gonna do a lot more on all this buy and hold investing. And one strategy is if you want to become a buy and hold investor in multifamily, 100, 200 more or more unit apartment complexes, why not get your investors invest with you? And at the time that they're investing, you say, this is what we'll do. In five years, three to five years, we'll either sell the property or I will refinance the property and I will give you 10% or 20%. Basically, you tell them, I will give you a good return and I will pay you off. Now, if I refinance it, I'll still own the property, but I will pay you off and you will still get your good return. More than likely, they're gonna be okay with that because they're gonna be getting a good return. They don't care that you keep the property. Now, these are investors that are investing with you because they believe in you. And with them believing in you, they're gonna invest in that deal that you have. And then after you refinance, you pay off your investors. Now you literally own that property, that multi-unit apartment complex, let's say 100 units, you own that apartment complex and it's buy and hold, which means you are gonna hold on to it and be able to give it to your grandkids. This is the way to create generational wealth. Real lasting wealth is with buy and hold. And now on top of that, People might think, well, short-term properties, like that's not necessarily long-term investing. No, it is long-term. Now, it's not a long-term tenant, but it is long-term investing, buy and hold. That's what we're doing at Master Passive Income is we don't just buy a short-term property. We don't just buy a long-term or don't just do anything. In fact, with my students, they say, hey, Dustin, should I do this or this or this or this? There's usually these ors that my students come up and say, you know, how about these ors? I'm saying, why not do all of them? And the reason why we could do all of them is because it is incumbent or dependent on the deal that comes in. If a deal comes in that is perfect for a midterm property where you have midterm tenants in there, then utilize it for that. If it's gonna be better as a short-term or a long-term, then whatever deal comes on our plate, 
we're going to make sure that we do it the best that's going to benefit ourselves and our families, put money in our pockets every single month, and as well as create generational wealth. So with short-term properties, which is what we're talking about today, short-term properties are phenomenal because you get so much more money every single month from the same property. You're doing a little more turnover. You're going to have a little more expenses for the property management, but at the same time, you're gonna be making so much more money. I have friends that have, let's say two, maybe three Airbnbs, and they've already replaced their income because these Airbnbs make them so much money. Now today, I am super pumped to bring on an expert who's gonna share with us how we can invest in short-term properties so that we can then eventually retire early because we have so much money coming in. This is super, I'm super excited to bring this on and share with you how to invest in short-term rental properties. I have an expert, his name is Sean Moore, who's done this for a long time, and he's gonna show us how we can do it as well. All right, here we go. Sean Moore, thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome, Dustin, thanks for having me. Really appreciate you letting me join the show and, and chat with you and uh, appreciate everybody spending their time with us today. Man, I, when we first got on, I noticed in your background of your set. So if you guys wanna watch this, you can go to YouTube channel, find Master Passive Income, you'll find the video, but he has this awesome, massive longhorn uh, uh, bull. And yeah. it's just, this skull, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's fantastic. So I just had yeah. to say that. I think it's, it's super cool. So um, yeah, so Sean, this is terrific because there are a lot of people who really want to get into short-term properties. And they, they start thinking, well, they're hearing lots of other terms. First, let's talk about the idea of like, with passive income, because we we talked about how with we all want passive income. In fact, we should have passive income. Uh, but you said that you started out with passive income and then took your eye up the ball a little bit, but then got back into it. And now short-term properties have been really rolling for you. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, awesome. And so, yeah, I'll take you back a little bit, way back, it feels like sometimes. You know, I've been doing, I've been in the real estate game full-time for 22 years as an investor. And when I started off, it was the wholesale fix and flip deals, right? And I was I was really working hard building a business of fix and flips. And we in in about a six year period, we fixed and flipped almost three hundred homes. So we were really turning and burning through a lot of homes in our area. And I was you know I was in my early early twenties and getting pretty cocky at the time and acting like I like I owned the world, right? And I'd walked into the a real estate investing club. A, a local one. And most of the time at that point in my life, I was going there to kind of stick my chest out and to, you know, really brag that I was, I was the, th the, the big deal there. Right. And there was this old boy named George that was there and he put his arm around me. He said, Hey, Sean, you gotta, you gotta kind of cool it down a little bit because you keep referring to yourself as this investor. And he said at the time, he said, you're not an investor. You've got a job fixing up and flipping homes. And that was Dustin at that time. I remember like vividly that conversation and his, the weight of his arm on my shoulder. And I just was like really upset. Like my ego was just shot. Right. And, and back when, uh, you know, when I, I thought I was way cooler than I really was. And uh, my jaw about hit the ground. I was mad, but I went home and I was talking to my wife, Teresa. And I said, you know, maybe George is right. This is a grind. Like I, every time I buy a home, I have to resell it. And then I got to go find another one. And I got to do the same thing over and over again. And he's right. I really do have a job. And so luckily for me, I had somebody like George tell me that. And, and I, and I did take it serious and I did say, Hey, I think George is right. And that's when passive income became like we know now, or at least I believe now, passive income is the holy grail of all income, right? It's money we make while we're, because we put some work in in the beginning to build up a portfolio of whatever that is, and it creates this passive income for us. We can do that with a number of different vehicles, 
Real estate happens to be mining your favorite vehicle to do that probably, but there's, you know, there's other vehicles for it. But at the time I decided I was going to go buy a bunch of single family rentals. And so we started building our, our portfolio of single family rentals in the course of a couple of years, we ended up buying 52 single family homes and we had a couple duplexes scattered in there, but almost all of them were just single family homes. And, you know, and, and for those listeners now thinking, man, I'd like to do that. Or how do you do that? But this was back in a time when you could fog a mirror and get a loan, right? And so we were able to, this was this was early to mid 2000s and you could get loans a lot different than you can get them today, which led to the problem we had in 2008, right? But at the time I was able to build a portfolio pretty quickly and got introduced to passive income. The problem for me was that I was still making more on my fix and flips than I would on my passive income portfolio. And it seemed like it seemed like it was still a drag. There wasn't, I wasn't very interested in that portfolio. Very, you know, I was making 52 homes. I was making about $3,500 a month passively. Nothing wrong with that. People are paying down my houses. People are paying down the mortgages. I'm gaining equity, all these different things that are great. And I look back now and think, okay, why did you not like that? Right. That's, that's what you, that's what you were after. But I was still young and still learning and made the biggest mistake that I always tell people in my career in 2005, I sold all my properties and got rid of all of them. And then, you know, things started to hiccup in 2006, seven, eight. And I started again, looking back thinking, oh yeah, everybody, you know, I, I was really smart. You know, I, that's not why I sold them. It had nothing to do with me thinking that the market was going down or anything else. It really was irrelevant. But people thought at the time, even telling me, hey, Sean, this, you know, good move, right? You know, great move. It wasn't a good move though, because I sold a portfolio that somebody else was paying for. And I want to pause for a quick second and share that honestly, I really want you to invest in real estate. My new goal in my life, my first goal was to quit my job in 10 years. And I did that, accomplished that at 37. Now my new goal is to help 1 million people invest in real estate. So two things I would ask from you. Number one, if you get anything out of this episode, please share it with somebody else. Just say, hey, you know, check out Dustin and Master Passive Income. He really wants to help a million people to invest in real estate. That's number one. Number two, I want to get you to invest in real estate, get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll literally give you my course, show you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first. You know, I always talk about that and how to find the right properties, how to make sure you're getting experts to do the work for you and scale the business to where you're making $250 or more in passive income, scale it to quit your job, I'll literally get to you or go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. Obviously, it'll be in the description, but I really, really want you to invest in real estate because the more that actual normal everyday people own real estate that are good landlords, the better everybody's life gets. That was gaining significant equity, significant value and adding to my net worth. Yeah, sure, I cashed out some of that. We were able to use it, but back then I didn't use it for anything. I didn't put it back into anything passively. And I used it and put it into short-term deals again as and not short-term rentals like we're doing today. I'm talking about like development deals, build jobs, things like that. And um, it took me a little while. We ended up getting very introduced in 2008 and 2006 to about 2009 in the into the hospitality world. We started developing and building really high-end resort properties here in Utah. And we started um, working with a, a, a resort developer and and I'm talking like 25, 30 million dollar homes, you know, really, really high end. And 
one day the in 2000 or late 2008 the feds came in and and locked down computers locked down file cabinets and everything shut down and we're looking at each other you know there's nine of us in the company they're working on things and marketing and my wife and I both were were there doing this and everybody's looking around thinking what do we do right we, this wasn't our fault and unfortunately i had nothing passive set up at that time everything was earned and we were doing all these short term deals we had some money but when you have a little bit of money in the bank and something happens that you don't like i took that victim role and started blaming everybody else so dustin imagine like being you know late 20s having a bunch of money feeling like this isn't my fault and i started pointing the fingers and literally saying hey this isn't my fault i this is you know what am i supposed to do here this got shut down on me i didn't do anything wrong and another huge mistake and a huge lesson to learn is you can't sit around and play. It doesn't, life's not fair, right? We all have things that happen to us. We all have challenges. We all have all these things. But when things like that happen, you can either re, you can either take some action to change it, or you can sit around like I did and lose everything. It took me six months. That's not a long, long time, but I sat around for six months and I lost everything. I lost my vehicles. I lost my house. I lost everything. I had nothing except for one cabin. I had this one little cabin in the mountains in Utah that we bought at the time as just a vacation home. And we started kind of playing around with renting it out. And we started realizing, man, we're, this is not only paying for itself, it's starting to make a little bit of money. And so that was that was this little carrot that we had in the back that's the only asset we kept and actually created some income for us just because I couldn't, I, I, I wasn't really planning on that. I just couldn't pay the bills. So I had to rent it out, right? And at that time, we started to really, really think about, okay, maybe this, maybe the short-term rental game has some legs. And I want to be clear with everybody too, because when you mentioned earlier, you're all about buy and hold. Like that is what our strategy is as well. We use the short-term rental vehicles, but these are long-term investments for us. We're buying them as a long-term buy and hold. And we started at that point, started to figure out what, how does this vehicle fit into that overall buy and hold strategy, create passive income. And that's what really got us into it. That's kind of a long-winded answer to that. But, but that's when we started to say, okay, I had to learn a few lessons along the way. And then we had to find a vehicle that I was interested in. I was interested in, in the vacation rental side of life, the resort side of life. And, and so we've been in it for a, a, before it was really popular. We started getting into it and realizing it had some legs. Now short-term rentals are very mainstream, and uh, but they're they're not for everybody either. Like you and I were talking before we we hit record, saying, "Listen, I love real estate, and I love all different lanes of real estate, and they work for different people for different reasons." You have to really decide what your property goals are. Maybe it's short-term rentals, maybe it's multifamily, maybe it's single-family rentals. But that's something that you have to think about. But overall, if I could tell anybody, one of the biggest lessons I learned was to start to build that portfolio of long-term buy and holds that create passive income today, because they, people always say, when should I buy? Well, you should have bought yesterday. If we can't buy yesterday, buy today, right? Because we need to start those assets. We need to start that portfolio maturing. I love that. And that's something that I, a quote that I absolutely love is when is the best time to plant a tree? Well, it was 20 years ago. Yeah. The next best time is literally today because I get this question all the time, especially when markets change. You know, it's been a seller's market for quite a while now. Yeah. And people are asking me a question like, when should I, should I wait? Should I do that? And they ask me these questions. And I say, well, there's always going to be good deals everywhere you go. In fact, six months ago when prices were skyrocketing, they were really, really high. 
we were still my myself and my investors, uh, my students, we were finding deals. Now they're harder to come by, but you could still buy them. And if you invest for passive income, you make money whether the market goes up, the market goes down, or the market goes sideways. Exactly. In fact, in two thousand, yeah, exactly. In two thousand and six is when I first started investing too, or around that same, you know, around you were. A lot of people now that are listening to the show, they're getting started like at 2014, 2015, right. 16. So we've been around a little bit and we've seen that correction. And that correction was really rough for a lot of people. But I'll be completely honest, for me, because I invested in passive income, I didn't get affected at all. Like literally the values went down. Don't get me wrong. The values went down, yeah. but I didn't care because I made money in passive income. These are properties I will literally give to my children in generational wealth. And with that, the values are skyrocketed. Like there's so much, they're double when I, when I bought it back yeah. in 2009, 10. And as well as the rents have literally gone up and up and up. Okay. So with that, I think passive income, obviously that's my passion. That's something, there's so many different great ways to do passive income. Oh, one other quick thing I'll say that you were right on is when you're investing in real estate, there are lots of different great ways to invest in real estate. And my bread and butter is long-term buy and hold. Now it could be short-term, it could be long-term, medium-term, all that sort of stuff. But I've also got into syndications and land investing, multifamily, all, like all the storage units. I got into these because I have also networked with other great people yeah. with they're the ones that know. Like bread and butter for me is residential. I know that like a back of my mind. I even dream about taking yeah. down deals. It's just it, it, part of me. With that though, there are other people who are phenomenal at all these other ways. And as you grow, my, my suggestion, as you grow in your portfolio, start reaching out, start looking to other people and invest with them. So that's great. Now, uh, Sean, I do have to address the word arbitrage. And I want to know what your opinion is because people have been talking about doing something it's called rental arbitrage. So talk to us about that as well as what are your thoughts about rental arbitrage? And I also explain it because I yeah. want you to explain what, what it is as well as what we should do with it. Yeah, awesome. And, and and rental arbitrage and or co-hosting, a lot of people are are kind of are and they're a little bit different, but a lot of people are now saying, okay, we're going to co-host and send a rental arbitrage. What that really means, Dustin, and it's very, very popular in the short-term rental game. In fact, most of the people that are out there teaching you how to make money in short-term rentals, this is the the path that they're they're run they're going to run down with you. And we, whenever you see the word, hey, make money in in something without owning the property, that's a that's a big key. So without ownership, right? There's a control model and there's an ownership model, and people. Have have arguments either way, which one's better. I'm very much weighted on the ownership model. I like to own my assets. And if I'm going to put in the work, if I'm going to do the due diligence, if I'm going to invest in this, I want to own the asset because long-term, that's really where the wealth is created. Rental arbitrage would be like if I owned a property and Dustin, you came to me and said, hey, Sean, I'm going to, can I lease the property from you? And with my permission, you are going to re-sublease it out on the short-term rental basis. Like, so you'll say, okay, I'm going to give you a long-term lease. I'm going to pay you $1,500 a month. And I say, okay, that's great, Dustin. You pay me $1,500 a month. And then you can go and, and try to fill in, you know, the what you're doing is basically subleasing it on a short-term rental basis. So you'll go put it on Airbnb, you rent it out, and you hope to make more than the $1,500 a month you're making me. You get to make that spread, right? That's really what rental arbitrage is. My, you know, I know a lot of people who got into the short-term rental game like that. Almost all of them that had any sort of success 
transitioned over the ownership model very, very quickly because they realized what the kind of money that they were leaving on the table. They were doing a lot of the hard work and they were creating a job for themselves. I tell people what you become is a good management company and you're the middleman, right? You're you're basically making the spread like a management company would. And so that's a good side hustle, if you will, or a job, if you're looking for a job and you want to get good at that. It's not an investment strategy. And so, and, and that's the biggest difference in that is there's no ownership to it. And it's not an investment strategy. The minute you stop, again, you, the minute you stop paying me my rent and and uh, putting it on Airbnb and making that spread, you're not making any money. That's a, that's a great point. And I definitely in the firm opinion as you, where I would rather own the inventory. I call all of my properties their inventory in my business. Yeah. Now, if I don't own the properties, then all I do is own furniture and plates and yeah. things that were literally, they're depreciating. They won't yeah. be worth anything in like, what, five, 10 years, especially if they're being used. So I appreciate that. Now, if we wanted to invest in real estate and short-term, is it a good idea to jump right into short-term or should we look at maybe, uh, well, that's not the right way. That's not the right question I'm trying to ask. So what I'm trying to ask is, Let's say there was a bad thing like, you know, coronavirus all over again and everything closes down and you can't rent it. Well, I, with my rental properties, I was literally secure. People weren't moving. They were told to stay home. Well, that's the house that I'm literally owning that they are, yeah. are renting from me in long term. So is, is there a, um, a methodology or a way to make sure that we are mitigating as much loss as possible? Absolutely. So one, I'll give you the example of coronavirus first, because if if anybody was in the short-term rental game, they will remember. And if you weren't, um, what happened was when when all that came out in March of 2020, right? It, that literally like Airbnb, VRBO canceled all bookings or refunded everybody that was on the books and they shut down you even being able to book your property. So they were, so there was a lot in, when I say a lot, uh, probably 98% of people who own short-term rentals, that is how they get their bookings, right? They are the biggest marketplaces out there. And when they decide to shut it down and you can't, you can't book anybody, they're refunding everybody. Nobody has the option to book your property. That is one of the biggest reasons. And one of the things that I teach and I'm a big proponent of is you can't build your house on somebody else's land, right? If your, if your entire business plan revolves around somebody else's customer base, you have the risk of that happening, whether it's coronavirus or anything else. They could change their policies. And that's, if that's the only way that you're able to have people come stay in your properties, then that's a problem. Now, one of the things that we do is we really work hard. Not, not that we ignore those OTAs. We get plenty of business off the OTAs, but we also have our own direct booking platforms. We also have our own customer base, right? These short-term rentals are treated a little bit more like a business in than most other asset classes. And the most valuable asset in any business is your customer base. So it's really, really important to build your own customer base. When that happened to us in March, my calendar was wiped out just like if anything was booked on the OTAs, just like everybody else's. However, we had a customer base in our portfolio. We sent an email out and said, hey, guys, we're still open. People wanted to get it. If you remember, there was a lot of people who wanted to get out of the cities during that time that were locked down. And so our our calendars and our 
our properties filled up overnight, like immediately. And everybody was still panicking. Luckily for everybody, when that happened, that was about a two week blip. It was really only down for a couple of weeks. It didn't really have the, the major effect that it could have for a lot of people because the minute they opened back up on those OTAs, the, the booking shot right back up. So, but the, to mitigate that, you have to really understand the entire game. And to your point of saying, okay, where should we start? Where do we go into too? I always tell people you should. You should always start with what are your property goals? You know, what is your knowledge? What are you really trying to get out of this? And then select an asset that fits those goals and that can help you achieve those goals and a a vehicle, a passive income vehicle. Maybe that's, maybe that's a mixture of different things. There's some, like I said, there's the, with the short-term rentals, if you're not really interested in building a customer base and you're not in the hospitality game, not that you can't outsource that stuff, but you got to build the systems around it. It's not nearly as passive as going and buying a single family rental because to your point, there's long-term renters in there. People need houses. Now with short-term rentals as well, there are, keep in mind, we still own houses. These are mostly single family homes. And a lot of times they're in areas that your plan B is still going to be, if you ever had to, you could you could roll it over to a long-term rental. I love that idea. And that's something that I suggest to all my students. Like if you're going to do Airbnb or you know short-term uh, properties, I suggest always have a fallback because you never know what's going to happen. Like, and I love the point that you made. You're basically owning the sandbox that you can all play in. Like, if you yeah. build your business on TikTok and that's all that you, you know, that's where you can make your business, what if they shut you down or the exactly. government closes down TikTok? Like, you want to have your own sandbox that you can play in. I love that idea. In fact, other people that I've interviewed on or talked to about Airbnb, they haven't come up with that idea or they have, didn't think of that or they didn't state that, hey, yeah have your own customers because we can reach out to them and get them to actually come because we're still open. Now, there's a bunch of questions I have, but definitely number one is how do you get those customers? Because if they're through Airbnb, how do you make sure that you grab those and say, hey, let's talk in the future. I'll give you deals or whatever it might be. How do we do that? Yeah. And one, we don't get them from those other out- platforms, right? <clears throat> the, now, people do. I'm not saying you you decide how you want to run your business. There, there are ways to, when somebody stays in your property, to pull them off and, and get them off those OTAs and those platforms. However, it's very much against their, they want to, they want to protect their customer base and their terms of service says, hey, listen, these are our customers. You're borrowing our customers. You need to communicate on our platforms. You need to follow our rules. And we respect that. I always, my mom always told me, right, when I would come home, And I I tell this story a lot. Like I would come home from my neighbor's house and say, well, I don't like what we're doing over there. She said, well, that's their house. That's their rules. You follow their rules when you're over there. You're in their sandbox. You're going to follow that rule. So we go over to those OTAs and we follow their rules and we appreciate the business that we can get from it. However, if I really want to have a business, I've got to create my own. And I've got to have my own sandbox that I make the rules in, that I generate. Now, is it is it easier probably to go to the OTAs because there's millions of eyeballs looking for short-term rentals? Sure it is. It's why everybody does it, right? We, we that That's where everybody's at. The marketplace is, is established. It's there. So what we do, though, is we come up with offers and websites and and different ways for us to go collect our own. And we use the social platforms. Those are the easiest places for us to go get customers off of paid ads on Facebook, paid ads on YouTube, things like that, and, and Google, right? So we use those, we utilize those paid advertising platforms to generate our own business, to bring into our into our world, into our customer base so that we can start to communicate with them and really build it. Because now 
I control that. I always tell people when they say, well, it's it's my customer. They're staying in my house. That's not really true. The customer, the the kind of the, if you want to think of not that anybody owns the customer, but the ownership of that, that customer really, whoever procured that business is where that customer, whose customer that is, right? And so you need to make sure that you're generating your own business. And, and it's not... It's not that it's difficult to do. It's just not something that most people do and you're not used to it. And so it's one of the things that we do inside of our inside of our Vodacy membership group very efficiently and well. Our return on ad spend is really great. It however, it's one of those business, it's one of those things that doesn't scale real well. Like I always tell our, our members, they have a really small budget and we we siphon off a little bit of traffic every day. But you know, that little bit of traffic every day starts to fill the bucket pretty quick. And sometimes people are like, well, I just want to spend more money and I'll do it way faster. And it doesn't really scale like that. And so you have to be able to say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start and I'm going to be consistent and disciplined over time. And after 60, 90, 180 days, all of a sudden you start to have something that is, is really worthwhile. After a couple of years, you're probably self-sufficient and you don't have to worry about those. Now you have options. It's the same as when we generate passive income. People always probably ask you, Dustin, well, how much, how much income should I generate before I quit my job? Right? It's like, you don't, you know, one, I always tell people it needs to be a lot more than you're probably making in your job, you know, at least one and a half times or so, but you may never want to quit your job. Having enough passive income income to quit your job is the the options and the freedom to do so. Because sometimes people will say, well, I like my job. And I'm like, great. Use that active income, create passive income because maybe one day comes and there's something different. You want to have options. It's the same in our short-term rental business, having a customer base. We have options. We can be on the platforms or we don't have to be on the platforms. I think it's great. I love that that idea of being able to build that up. Now, how much passive income if we're going to be buying a property and the goal is to make sure we're getting a short-term property, how much passive income should we make from a property? I'll give you an example of what I do with all my students. So yes. with long-term buy and hold properties, I tell them that the minimum is $250 from every single door from every one that we buy, we make sure it's a minimum because if you have one property that makes you $250 a month, that's $3,000 a year. 10 properties is $2,500 a month. That's $30,000 a year. 20 properties is $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year. So is there a a, um, a minimum that we need to hit in our passive income to mitigate for, you know, let's say potential losses or um, a, a furnace goes out, like to a buffer so that we have more income. Because if we're going to be living off this income, which is what we do, we buy properties and live off the income. We want to make sure we're not dipping into our personal money. So we have that buffer. So do you have anything like that? Any guides for when we're finding and buying the right property? Yeah, for sure. And it's, there's, it's a little bit it's, it, there's a lot more layers of the onion with short-term rentals because of the moving targets with nightly rates, occupancy, all these different things in different areas that we're buying. It's very common in longer-term rentals and like single-family rentals to have a, a price per door that we're saying, okay, we're not here, we're not, it's, we're not interested. We're looking a little bit more at our like I, I look at a number of different metrics, but what we're looking for is a different, a certain cash on cash return. But also, what's really, really important, Dustin, in the in the short-term rental game is to understand what somebody's property goals are. I have I don't buy properties with negative cash flow personally. Like I I'm not a negative cash flow guy. I I always make sure that we uh, my target is if it's not making at least around the 8 to 10% cash on cash return, we're not that interested in it. And so that gives me the buffer that we need. But that might be if I'm buying a million dollar property, that might that minimum might be $1500 a month on passive income, right? Or 
I'm just throwing that out. And it might be $250 a month in passive income. It really is more of a percentage on what I have invested in it to cover that percentage covers that that gap. The other thing that's really interesting, short-term rentals make a lot more money, gross money, gross revenue. Than, and, and people mistake the gross revenue for net revenue. And because they also have a lot more expenses. There's a lot more things that you're paying for on short-term rentals. And so the general rule of thumb, your break even on a short-term rental, you need to generate about 10% of the of the acquisition price in gross revenue to break even. And people will look at that and they a lot of times they just calculate their mortgage payment and think, oh, I'm going to make a ton of money on this property, right? Because the gross revenue, it's a $500,000 property. I'm making $50,000 a year in revenue on it. My payments on it are, you know, $23,000 a year. I'm, I'm golden, right? That's not true. You're barely breaking even and, and probably uh, maybe a little negative in today's environment. So yes, we do look at that and we, we definitely, I mean, our underwriting processes. It's, it's, it's pretty intensive, right? Because we want to make sure and we're really conservative, similar to you are like where you're saying, I, I, I want to have that buffer because I'm buying these as an investment. I want them to be positive cash flow and I need to make sure that they're positive cash flow for the whole year. Because in short term rentals, you're making a lot of money one season and then the season dips in your shoulder seasons, your off season, you're not making as much. And then you got another peak season possibly. So you have to be able to, you have to be able to manage your revenue throughout the year with that as well. So there's a lot of things we look at. But for sure, we have minimums. It's not necessarily a per door minimum like you would in a in a single family rental. Totally get it, and that makes a lot of sense. Now, what lessons have you learned? Like, what mistakes have you made that you can uh, impart to us and say, "This is what I did wrong." Go like try to not do that. Yeah, one of the biggest lessons that we've learned and that really sets us apart, and what I see that there is a huge opportunity for the majority of short-term rental owners and operators and in investors going into the space is realize, realize the game you're playing. You're not selling and you're not, your product is not real estate. Your product is an experience. So one of the things that I think that everybody does is they think, okay, I'm going to buy this nice property in this nice area. And I'm just going to, that's going to sell itself. In this game, I always tell people an example is if you're Airbnb listing and your Zillow listing look the same. If you were going to sell the property and use the same pictures to sell both of them, you're missing the mark. You're, there's so many people that still try to sell the property and sell real estate. Real estate is not your product. Even though we use real estate as on the back end to, you know, to we, we invest in real estate, we're using short-term rentals to create passive income. It's easy to make the mistake that thinking that real estate is our product on those platforms. That's not our product. Our job is to create a great experience. The property can be a part of that experience, but that's not what we're selling. And so if I could, and, and in the beginning, that's all we sold. And it was, you were like, man, I got this really nice property. I'm just kind of blending it in the crowd. When you go on Airbnb, VRBO, all these different sites, there's a lot of really nice properties in nice areas. And, and I promise you, if you buy the nicest property in the area today, somebody's going to build or have a nicer property tomorrow, right? So 
if that's your only way of standing out and operating at the top of your market, you're going to miss the mark. And so really, if for specifically for this asset class, if I could, if I could give people one piece of advice is to realize your product is not selling the real estate, your product is selling an experience and you need to figure out how to do that. One of the things that I would always tell people, anytime you're, anytime you're thinking about starting something, you really want to, you really want to write down the resources you have available. One. So, so here's what I always tell people, write down the time you have available for something, the money you have available for something, and then also what knowledge you have on the different things that you're talking about. And and what the reason we do that is those are the main resources that we can tap into ourselves to make something happen. But also it shows us the gaps in our resources that we can now go leverage somebody else's resources. And a lot of times that's leveraging somebody else's knowledge, right? You're saying, okay, maybe I've got the time, maybe I've got the money, but I don't know what I'm doing. Go leverage somebody else's experience and their knowledge. And if maybe you're saying, hey, I've got a lot of knowledge. I've got some time. I don't have the money. Well, now go leverage somebody else's money, right? And so I always tell people, start with those three things, write them down, be honest with yourself. It's between you and you, right? You don't have to show these to anybody. It's it's being able to look in the mirror and say, okay, what resources do I have to go make what I say is important to me a reality? And wherever those gaps are, don't stop and say, well, I've got these gaps and I can't do it now because I'm missing something because I promise you on any one of those three gaps, there is somebody else that you can leverage that resource from. And so I always tell people, I love, doesn't matter whether you're going short-term rentals, long-term rentals, multifamily, whatever you're doing, really doesn't even matter if it's real estate is start with those three things and then figure out how to go make it happen with your, by teaming your resources up with somebody else's resources and and being able to leverage somebody else's, I should say, and go make it happen. If you want to learn more about short-term rentals and what we're doing and kind of our view of this world, go to vodacy.com. It's V-O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y.com. And on there, we've got a lot of different free stuff on there, trainings, but most importantly, if you're really wanting to dive into the short-term rental space, I've got a book called What the Hell is a Lifestyle Asset? And you can find it on Amazon, but you can actually just download a copy on our website and check it out. We take you through a nine-step process that takes somebody through that acquisition phase, the management phase, and then ultimately the marketing phase of what this world looks like if you were considering this type of an asset. So go download the book. We've also got a podcast, links to our podcast and things like that on there, free trainings. And so that's a great place to start because there's a lot of great information on there for you to really really answer the question, is this an asset that I'm interested in? And if so, the book takes you through what that would look like if you dove into it. So you're walking into something with your eyes wide open. The podcast is called The Vacation Rental Revolution. And so we we just talk about all things short-term rentals. Absolutely, Dustin. Thank you so much. And and you know, I know you've you've said it before, I've said it all the time is, you know, we know how valuable everybody's time is. And those of you that stuck with us and listened, we hope we added value and appreciate you sticking with us and spending your time with us today. And that is it for today. Go ahead and get my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. You can also join my Real Estate Wealth Builders group coaching, get all my courses. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next show. See ya. See ya.